chapter 9. We are continuing our study of Bible doctrine, continuing with our study of eschatology, the future, the last things. And this is message number 79 in our series. We'll be looking at verses Daniel chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. The title of the message this evening is The Man of Sin. Daniel chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And for the people of the and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. In the last message, we began in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Um, noting in verses 30 and 31 in particular, where Moses prophesied of a future time of tribulation in the latter days, where Israel would be judged for their sins and rebellions against God, but that where they would not be completely destroyed, uh, and in fact, God would remember his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would gather and, and restore them to the land of promise, of course, including their um, confession of sin and, and repentance and turning to him in faith with new hearts. Now we looked at Daniel chapter 9 in this chapter where Daniel prayed that the judgment would be ended with the 70 years of desolation. And when you read through uh, books like the Lamentation, we've gone through a number of the Psalms that are lamenting the devastation of Jerusalem. You can see how um, profound of an event that the destruction of Jerusalem was. And Daniel is praying in Daniel chapter 9, understanding that most of the 70 years have passed at that point. And he's praying that the end of this 70 years will be the end of God's judgment on Israel and Judah, and that he will gather them to their land under their Davidic king. And then the restoration that was prophesied would be fulfilled. However, in Daniel chapter 9, God sent the angel Gabriel to go and reveal to Daniel that the 70 years of desolation for Jerusalem are not the full measure of God's judgment on Israel. And rather, God had determined, and I think uh, when you look at that word that is used there, it, it even indicates sort of like a cutting out. So God had determined a time of 77s for Israel in what was otherwise revealed as the time of the nations, beginning in Daniel chapter number 2. So the Babylonian Empire's siege of Jerusalem that resulted in Jerusalem and the temple being destroyed and the southern kingdom of Judah being carried away so that Israel is, is scattered off of their land is the beginning of the Gentile nations. And you have that, uh, the dream of the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had where he's the head of gold and these other kingdoms, Gentile kingdoms that followed down to the uh, Romans and then the future kingdom that would come. 
Show us that this, this time, even this time that we are yet in, is the time of the nations. But yet, it was revealed to Daniel by the angel Gabriel that God has determined that there are 77s for Israel within this time of the nations. So this 77s is a time of 490 years. And this time would fulfill or fill up Israel's transgressions. After 69 sevens were fulfilled, there are two significant events that would occur. And we see those uh, referred to here in Daniel chapter 9 and verse number 26. The Messiah, who had obviously come by the end of the 69 sevens, the Messiah would be killed without establishing his kingdom. The temple and the city of Jerusalem would be destroyed by the people of the prince who would come in the future, and that destruction happened in 70 AD, 40 years after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It's also revealed there that wars and desolations would continue for Israel until the time of the end. So after the 69 weeks, the execution of the Messiah and the destruction of Jerusalem, there's one week that remains, one seven, one unit of seven years that remains. And the 70th seven is a time that is yet future when the prince who will come will be revealed. And it will be revealed by making a covenant with Israel for seven years. And that's what we see at the start of verse number 27 in Daniel chapter 9. He will go on to break that covenant with Israel in the middle of the seven years or at the midpoint or at the three and a half year mark. So according to this and according to other passages about this prince who will come, places like Daniel chapter 7 verses 8 and 21 and Daniel chapter 11 verses 36 to 45, this time, this 70th week, when this prince who shall come will make a covenant with Israel and then will subsequently break that covenant in the middle of that seven-year time, will be a time of intense persecution for Israel. The 70th seven is also what is referred to as the seven-year time of tribulation that is prophesied for Israel, beginning all the way back with Moses prophesying of this time and we learn more and more and more about it until we get to the book of revelation which the majority of the book of revelation is dedicated to that time so the tribulation is a future event that brings god's wrath on israel and brings god's wrath on the nations of the earth in a distinct period of time that has never been before and we've, we've seen that stressed as we've looked at passages in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that talk about this time. It is unlike any time that has been before. So it's not like the destruction of Jerusalem in, in 586 B.C. It's not like the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. It's not like any of the destructions of Jerusalem. Actually, there have been more than that that have happened, happened historically. It's not like those times. It is a time where God's wrath is poured out upon the whole earth. So it has, has never been before, and also there will never be a time like it again. So it is a singular event. 
And this tribulation is an event that is made up of many other events. And the scripture even subdivides this seven-year period into three-and-a-half-year periods, the, the first half and the second half. So we get references, for instance, to the 42 months in places like Revelation chapter 11 and verse 2. We get references to the 1,260 days, uh, Revelation chapter 11, verse 3, and chapter 12, verse 6. And we also get reference to the time, times, and half a time in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, as well as Revelation chapter 12 and verse 14. All of those times referring to three and a half years, half of a seven-year period of time, half of the 70th week. So the 70th seven begins with the revelation of the man of sin. And throughout this, or he is revealed through this seven-year covenant that is made with Israel. So the man of sin is obviously a key figure in the tribulation, and he is identified in Scripture uh, by a number of different names, in fact. Here in, in Daniel, we have a few different ones that are used. Uh, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 8, he's the little horn. In Daniel chapter 8 and verse 23, he is the king of fierce countenance. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, he is the prince who shall come. And, and most likely also, uh, he is the desolator, or the one who makes desolate there in, in verse 27. Daniel chapter 11, verse 36, he is the willful king. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, he is the man of sin and son of perdition. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8, he is the wicked one or the lawless one. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 22, he is the Antichrist. In Revelation chapter 11 and verse 7 and other verses in Revelation, he is the beast, the one who ascends out of the bottomless pit, the one who rises up out of the sea, and so on. So he is known by a number of different names and descriptions in the Bible. So in, in this message tonight, we want to consider this event concerning the Antichrist that begins the 70th seven or the seven-year tribulation time, this revelation of the man of sin. So we want to look at this in two parts. First of all, we want to begin with Daniel's portrait of the Antichrist. Outside of the New Testament, Daniel gives the most extensive um, description. And then we want to consider, secondly, the rebellion of Israel in connection with the revelation of the man of sin. So we want to begin with Daniel's portrait of the Antichrist, the one who is referred to the people of the prince that shall come in Daniel chapter 9 and verse number 26 that we read at the beginning. Well, first of all, he, in Daniel chapter 7, he is referred to as the little horn. So Daniel chapter 7 and verse 8, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. The little horn in the midst of the ten horns that Daniel saw. You go on in Daniel chapter 7 and read that this little horn wages war against God and against his saints. So verses 20 to 27. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, 
even of that horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld in the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Then he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time or half a time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So in just a few verses here in Daniel chapter 7, we actually... We actually get a picture of this time of tribulation that ends with the coming of uh, the Ancient of Days, with the coming of the king, his establishment of his kingdom, and the defeat and overthrow of this Antichrist of the little horn. So we we get all that picture in in just a, a small set of verses in this passage concerning this Antichrist. But you noticed some of the descriptions of him. He obviously is opposed to God. He wages war against God's saints. He is also um, extremely arrogant. He, he is a great boaster and one who speaks great things with, with the idea being that he has a great power to be able to persuade and to deceive men upon the earth. And they follow him willingly, leading this federation of, of ten kings and so on in this time. Now we also read about him in, in Daniel chapter 9 in the verses we began with in verses 26 and 27. And we read about after the, the three score and two weeks, and this is um, after the seven weeks and three score and two weeks, that's after 69 sevens, the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. So we, this is the prince, the people of the prince who will come. In other words, referring to the Romans, as they were the ones that came against Jerusalem in 70 AD and destroyed it after the cutting off of the Messiah, after the 69 sevens had been fulfilled. We also read about him in Daniel chapter number 11, And here he is referred to as the willful king. So Daniel chapter 11, verses 36 to 45. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. Now the indignation, we talked earlier Uh, in in an earlier message about some of the different terms that are used to describe this time of tribulation. And the indignation is one of those times that is used to describe that. For that that is determined shall be done. Now you notice 
In Daniel chapter 7, it spoke about his downfall with the coming of the Ancient of Days, um, with the coming of, of, the, of the Messiah. And here also we have his downfall in, at the end of verse 27 of Daniel 9, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate or upon the desolator. Um, he, he shall be, um, what that is determined shall be done. So in other words, he's not going to succeed. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard of any god, for he shall magnify himself above all. But in his estate shall he honor the true God of forces, and a God of whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds of the strange God, whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many, and shall divide the land for gain. And at that time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships. And he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. He shall enter also into the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. He shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries in the land of Egypt shall not escape. But he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and utterly to take away many. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. So... These are the um, probably the, the the most extensive descriptions references that we have um, in the Old Testament as far as reference to this man of sin, this Antichrist, um, this prince who who is to come. And what we find when we turn over to the New Testament is that we we find the same descriptions. We find that these same connections um, in Paul's portrait uh, of of the man of sin as well as that in the book of Revelation. So let's just look at at what Paul has to say concerning this man of sin in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, or, I'm sorry, chapter 2 and, ver- and verses 3 to 12. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now ye know that that withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So here again we see Paul referring to this future 
one that is to come, reading here how he exalts himself above all gods and essentially so that he alone will be worshipped. And again, this um, agrees with what we read in the description of Daniel by him. Paul also refers to the fact that not only is he a great boaster and a great speaker, but he is actually empowered, excuse me, empowered by Satan. Revelation chapter 13 Verses 1 to 8, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, which is referenced here to Satan, gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given to him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So from from these descriptions, it is clear that all of these writers in these passages are describing the same figure the same man who is going to be um, revealed upon the earth during this future time of tribulation. It is the Antichrist who's also known uh, by several of these other names. He is clearly a person in the future who will have great power and who will do much harm upon the earth. He's thoroughly opposed to God and Christ and seeks to put down all worship, all allegiance to Christ in an effort to establish the satanic kingdom upon the earth. So what is the revelation of the man of sin? And so that brings us next to consider the rebellion of Israel and its connection with the revelation of the man of sin that, it, that is the beginning event of this time of tribulation. So the book of Revelation in chapters 6 to 19 give the most extensive and detailed description of this time of tribulation in the Bible. Although there is much in the Bible, as I have um, read and, and, and looked at some of the different um, prophecies and things that are yet to be fulfilled, I've seen that that prophecies, references to this time of tribulation by by far outnumber any other single future event in references in Scripture counting both Old and New Testament. So it it, it is clearly um, prophesied in the Bible and referred to. And the book of Revelation, again, gives the most extensive and detailed description of this time. So it clearly refers to a definite period of time, and it reads completely differently from any passage that speaks of any sort of general or 
age-long, ongoing trials and such. So if you, you take all these prophecies in the Bible, all these references to this time of tribulation, and you put them together, again, it reads very differently from where you get places where you have sort of general um, warnings of trouble and suffering. Uh, Jesus said, uh, you know, in the world you will have tribulation. In the world you, you will suffer persecution. But when you read about these, pro- these prophecies and these references to this time of tribulation, it reads very differently from any sort of, of generalization. It is a definite event, a definite period of time that will take place in the future. Now, the judgments of this tribulation, and it is primarily a time of judgment, the judgments of the tribulation are depicted as a succession of seals, trumpets, and vials or bowls. So the seven seals and the seven trumpets are the judgments of the first half of the tribulation. And these are the judgments that Jesus referred to in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 to 8, as the beginning of sorrows, those things that come before the time of great tribulation. Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 to 8, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So even though we have description of the tribulation time as being a time unlike any other time, It is clearly divided into a first half and second half in Scripture. And the judgments and the tribulations of the first half are less than what they are in the second half. In the second half, they are much more intense and severe. Now, the opening of the first seal, which is what begins Revelation chapter number 6, when the Lamb, the one that was uh, worthy to take the book and open the seals in Revelation chapter 5. When he begins to open these seals, in Revelation chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2, we see the release of the Antichrist, who Paul referred to in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as being restrained. He is released as the rider on the white horse. Revelation chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. So notice his intention. He is released and he goes forth in order to conquer. Now, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27 prophesies that this prince who will come will make a covenant with Israel for seven years, which is obviously the beginning, and that time period is tied to that 70th seven. It's the, the beginning of this time period. Now, what all this covenant will involve 
we're not told. But we're able to see, at least from reading verse number 27, and when he causes the sacrifice and such to cease, that this covenant is obviously going to involve Jewish access and control of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and a reinstitution of the Old Covenant sacrificial system, which will seem to, to take place during the course of the first half of this time of tribulation. And Daniel notes here in Daniel 9.27 that he will confirm the covenant with many for one week. Many within Israel, but not all, will covenant with him during this time. So Paul writes about this same time in his letter to the Thessalonian church, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. And of course he goes on there to speak of him opposing and exalting himself above all that's called God, and so on. So the Thessalonians had been troubled by some that were preterist teaching the error of fulfilled prophecy. Now the term preterist is something that came much later, not something that appears in the Bible or that Paul would have, would have known or used. But it refers to those who believe that all or most all of the prophecies of the Bible have already been fulfilled which means they have to invent various forms of spiritual fulfillments to try to account for them. And Paul warned Timothy about preterists as well. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 17 to 18. And their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Paul also warned the Corinthians about preterists in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? As, and also Peter gave this warning, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So the Thessalonians had been troubled by some who were trying to convince them that they were in the day of the Lord and that they were in the day of the Lord because of the persecutions and such that they suffered. And when you go back to the book of Acts and you look at Paul's time in Thessalonica, uh, in, in which they, they started going around to the homes of the believers there and, and trying to find Paul, and they were arresting uh, arrested the man named Jason and, and so on that's, that's mentioned there, uh, and they were making charges actually uh, of sedition against Paul. Paul is preaching contrary 
to the Caesar, contrary to the laws of the Roman Empire. He's preaching some other king, Jesus, because he obviously preached of the, the coming king and coming kingdom and, and so on. So in other words, things were pretty hot for those believers in Thessalonica, and they, they were suffering various persecutions. And there were some that had troubled and unsettled them and said, these persecutions show that you are in the day of the Lord. That day of the Lord being prophesied from uh, way back in the Old Testament. It's also prophesied um, in the New Testament and is uh, that time of tribulation that is um, still yet future to us. So Paul wrote to them to settle them in the truth of the future time of God's wrath, that they were not in it, nor could they be in it, in fact. And here in verses 2 and 3, he states that that day could not be present since the man of sin had not been revealed by the apostasy. And so when you look at the the grammar and, and such underneath those verses, some of the some of the wording, it's, it's, it's sort of hard to trace out the, the causes and effects and, and all that sort of thing. But that's what Paul is saying. That day could not be present since the man of sin had not been revealed by the apostasy, that falling away that's spoken of and that revelation of the man of sin. These are simultaneous, linked, dependent events. Now, there are many various ideas that exist as to what the falling away that Paul spoke of refers to. Falling away translates a word for apostasy in the Greek, and and the word is mostly used to describe a religious or even a political rebellion. So it, it doesn't describe just some sort of general malaise that comes upon churches toward the end uh, of time. It's not something that, des- that describes even a, a departure from the faith among churches in a time such as that. Th- this, this is something that happens in connection with this revelation of the man of sin that the day of, of the Lord cannot be present without. That we read in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27, the revelation of, the, of this man of sin is the very beginning of this time of tribulation. So what is this falling away or this apostasy? Well, this event is also described by Daniel and it leads to the Antichrist standing up or being manifested. There's another passage in Daniel we haven't read yet about the Antichrist in Daniel chapter number 8 and verse 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom... When the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. So the transgression of Israel comes to the full. You notice that. The transgressors come to the full. In other words, it's completely filled up. It it can go on no longer. It's triggering this judgment of God against these transgressions. And it is what um, causes this man of sin, this king of fierce countenance here, 
to stand up or to be manifested, or as Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, to be revealed. So the transgression of Israel comes to the full when they rebel against God by entering into a covenant with Satan's Messiah, which is who the Antichrist is. And this is actually consistent with Israel's history and repeated rebellions against God by entering into alliances with foreign nations rather than trusting him. In fact, this is one of the things cited in the early ministry of Isaiah when he was giving prophetic warnings to Ahaz who was working secretly behind the scenes to form an alliance with the Assyrians because the northern kingdom of Israel had joined forces with the kingdom of Syria. They did so both mutually beneficial to try to protect themselves from the Assyrians who were on the ascendancy in that day seeking um, world power. And so King Ahaz and some of those of Judah were working to make this secret alliance with the Assyrians in order to protect them from Israel and Syria. And of course, um, in the end, this alliance resulted in the fall of the northern kingdom of Israel and their being carried away captive, the subjugation of uh, Judah and and subsequent um, invasions by the Assyrians, though they never did succeed um, in conquering the southern kingdom the way they did the northern kingdom. But eventually the Assyrians would fall to the Babylonians, and the Babylonians would indeed conquer the southern kingdom of Judah. And so you have all of these warnings in the early ministry of Isaiah, the early part of the book of Isaiah, as he's going to King Ahaz, as he's speaking to those of Judah, saying, don't trust in in chariots and horses and spears and, and, and bows, and don't trust in these foreign nations. Put your trust in the God of Israel. And their failure to do so was a rebellion against God. And you find this throughout the prophets, warnings for them trusting in Egypt, trusting in Assyria, making these foreign alliances rather than trusting in God. And that is exactly what will happen that will begin this time of tribulation. It will fill up the transgressions of Israel against God when they make a covenant, an alliance, an agreement with Satan's Messiah. So the rebellion then and the revelation of the man of sin are simultaneous events that begin this 70th seven, this time of tribulation. One of the things we want to notice about this man of sin there in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and that's the fact that he's going to then be revealed. What that means is, is that he is not and cannot be known until he is revealed. And that revelation will not happen until this rebellion of Israel, this covenant agreement, and the beginning of this time of tribulation. So the fact that he is then revealed means that there is no one who knows who he is. We do not know who he is. And it's impossible that he is some historical figure that has already been on the scene. There have been suggestions of 
anybody from Nero to Hitler to Saddam Hussein and, and many others that keep throwing out, oh, this, this person's Antichrist, this person's Antichrist, this person's Antichrist. We do not know, and it's impossible to know until he is revealed, which will not happen until the very beginning of this 70th seven. So the tribulation is a definite future event that will be started. It, it will be kicked off by the revelation of the man of sin through the rebellion of Israel. The fullness of Israel's transgression will trigger these judgments against God. If you, if you think back to when God was talking to Abraham and was telling him about how that his, his, the nation that would come from him was going to, to go down into Egypt. You know, they're going to they're be there for over 400 years. Until when? Until the iniquity of the Amorites was full. When they had filled up that transgression to when it could, it could go on no longer, judge, God's judgment would come against them through his people being brought out of Egypt. That's exactly what is being said about Israel as well. Their transgressions, they will reach full to the brim when they enter into this covenant with Satan's Messiah in order for what they believe will be their good and their prosperity. And that's the time that some of the prophets like Jeremiah spoke of when they think it's going to be a time of peace but it will not. So these judgments against Israel will be triggered by this rebellion and these judgments that God has determined to finish out their exile in this 70th seven before the time of their restoration and salvation. Mm-hmm.